Well, hello, and once again, welcome to Vaughn Forest Church. Like the video said, my name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Vaughn Forest. I'm excited to be here with you today as we are continuing our message series in the book of Nehemiah. But before we get to that today, this is a very special weekend. It is Veterans Day weekend, and here at Vaughn Forest Church, we want to pause for just a moment, and we want to say thank you to all of those veterans, those who have served in the past, and those who are currently serving. We cannot express our gratitude enough for your sacrifice, the way that you serve this country and the people of this country. And so this morning, if you have served in the past, if you are currently serving in our military, we want to honor you. And so if you would, uh, just for a few moments, if you would stand up if you have served in the military or currently serving or lift a hand up if you can't stand, and if you would do that right now, and we just want to let you know, Vaughn Forest Church, let's let these folks know how much we appreciate them. So many folks, we are so grateful to you, and we just want to honor you this morning. Uh, but we are continuing in our message series in the book of Nehemiah today, and uh, we are actually in week six of this series. And so if you have missed any of the past weeks, I would encourage you head over to vaughnforce.com, click on the messages tab. There's been some really great teaching in the series. Uh, get caught up. There's been a lot of really good stuff on there, and uh, we are going to be continuing it today, and I'm looking forward to that. But in case you have missed any of the past weeks, I'm going to give you a real quick recap on where we are at so you kind of know the situation that our main character, Nehemiah, and the nation of Israel find themselves in today. So really quick, the nation of Israel, over the course of the Old Testament, over and over again, they would disobey, and the Lord had a covenant with them that if you disobeyed, that then there would be judgment and punishment brought out on the nation. Eventually, that happens in the form of some enemy empires who had come in and they had conquered the nations of Israel and the nation of Judah. And they carried them off into exile. And kind of the big empire on the scene at this moment is the Persian Empire. So the nation of Israel is in disarray. The walls around Jerusalem are down. There's no safety there. There's a remnant of a few folks left in the area. But for the most part, they have been conquered and carried off into exile. Now fast forward a little bit and we get to the setting of our story. There's a guy named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is Jewish, he is an Israelite, and he has risen up in the ranks of the Persian Empire to the point where he has become the cupbearer to the king. And this was a really big deal. This is a very high position. You are very tight with the king. You are sampling his food. He is coming to you for advice. So this was a big deal for Nehemiah to be in this position. But word reaches Nehemiah's ears about the condition of the state of Israel, specifically Jerusalem, and that the walls are down and that they are open and they are vulnerable to attack. And the Lord puts it on Nehemiah's heart to go back and to rebuild those walls, to lead a remnant back to rebuild what had once been torn down. And scripture tells us that the Lord moved on the heart of the Persian king and he allowed Nehemiah and the Israelites, a remnant of them, to go back and begin rebuilding. And so in chapter one of the book of Nehemiah, we see Nehemiah almost the entire chapter, he's praying. The Lord has put this on his heart, and he is praying that God will forgive him and his nation of their sins, and so that they can go back and rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem. Why is that so important? Because it's a great reminder that everything we do starts with prayer. 
So Nehemiah starts with prayer. In the second chapter, he keeps praying, but then he begins preparing. And that's when the king says, yes, you can go. So he begins preparing, preparing himself, preparing those around him, preparing everything that will be needed to move back into there and start the work. A great reminder, we pray and we prepare. Last week, Brett did a fantastic job unpacking the, the beginning of the work of rebuilding the wall. So it's not until Nehemiah chapter 3 that we even begin the work, uh, see the work begin to start as they are rebuilding these walls. And it's interesting that you see all these two chapters on prayer and preparation because I don't know if you're anything like me, but whenever there's a task set before me, like I want to jump right to it, Right? I want to just get the thing done so I can get to it and be done with it. When my kids get Legos, or like when I get Legos, uh, I don't want to read the instructions. I just want to start building. But what happens if I don't read the instructions first? Inevitably, I do something wrong, and you have to start all over. So Nehemiah shows a lot of wisdom here. He starts with prayer. He prepares, and then the work begins, and where we're going to be picking it up in chapter 4, they are in the middle of the work, and what happens? The opposition has arrived. Just like with so many of us in our lives, we've prayed, we've prepared, we're doing exactly what it is we think we're supposed to be doing, and the opposition is going to show up. And what we're going to see today is that just like with Nehemiah in our lives, the opposition will come our way, and it's how we respond to that opposition in our lives that determines what our level of success will be. And when we talk about opposition today, we're not talking about like those dumb decisions that we make that then lead us into a valley. We talked about this a couple of months ago, uh, the valleys of our own making and how we get out of that valley when we're the ones who've put ourselves there. We're talking about the opposition that even though you are doing exactly what you were supposed to do or you're just chugging along, living your life, this opposition shows up. This giant comes calling. This fight shows up at your door that you never asked for. And the title of our message today is when the fight calls. And we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 4, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And what I want to do is just take the scripture a little bit of a time, a little bit and a little bit at a time, so that we can kind of better understand this opposition that is coming against Nehemiah and the Israelites and kind of see how it relates to us in our lives. Again, we know that the opposition is going to come. If you are a follower of Jesus, we have been promised that the opposition will come. Even if you are not a follower of Jesus here today or watching online, I bet you have lived long enough in this world to know that there will be opposition that will come your way. And so I know that it's so important for us to know how to respond to that because, again, so many of us sitting in this room today or watching online are dealing with opposition in our lives. And whether that be a health issue, whether that be a relational issue, something with your spouse or your children or someone at work, whether that be a financial issue, whether that be something like anxiety or depression that has come knocking at your door that you don't know where it came from, but it has shown up in your life, we all have those giants that come calling. And we all have those fights that show up in our lives that we never asked for. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, it's inevitable that this will happen. If you are a human being alive on this planet, it is inevitable that it will happen. And so my prayer today is that you would leave this place encouraged and a little bit better equipped to deal with this opposition as it shows up in your life, to kind of know what we need to do, some practical tips, how we can lean on the Lord when that happens. 
So the first thing I want to do today is define what opposition is. And kind of the big, long definition of opposition for us today is anything or anyone that threatens your perseverance in your faith in Jesus or anything or anyone that attempts to pull you away from the will of God in your life. Now understand, when I talk about the will of God, I'm not talking about like the secret will of God for your life, like who are you going to marry or how many kids are you going to have or what you're going to major in. I'm talking about God's will that is revealed to all of us, which is to live as imitators of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus, we have been called, and the calling on our life is to live our lives in such a way that we are imitators of Jesus. And anything that would attempt to pull us away from us being imitators of Christ is opposition in our lives. Maybe a more simple definition would be this. Anything that tries to keep you from everything that the Lord has for you. Opposition is anything that tries to keep you from everything that the Lord has for you. And anything that tries to pull you away from God's will in your life, that is opposition. Again, this could be sickness. This could be relationships, relational issues. This could be financial issues, any kind of other circumstances. Any of those can be opposition in your life. And for us as Christ followers, one of our main goals is to pursue God's will for our lives. It is to pursue God's will for our lives. And this opposition comes in, and it tries to keep us from that. And this morning, maybe when I talk about God's will for your life, you would say, Chad, I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. I don't know what you're even talking about. And what I would encourage you would be to stick with me, because I think this wisdom that we see from the book of Nehemiah, I think it's something that anyone can apply to their lives, and I think it's something that can really help us out as we face that opposition. So, we are going to be picking it up in chapter 4, verse 1 today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to that part of Scripture. Uh, if you do not have your Bibles, no worries. We're going to put all the Scripture up here on the screen so you can follow along. So remember, Nehemiah and the Israelites, they have prayed. They have been called. They have prepared. The work has begun, and they are right where they are supposed to be. But here comes the opposition. Just looking for them, trying to start a fight. It is headed their way. So picking it up in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. When Sanballat, Sanballat's one of the kind of big dogs of the region. He's not with Nehemiah and their guys. He does not like them. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. And he was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, his buddy, the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. So Nehemiah and his buddies, the Israelites, they are at work. And what happens? Here come the bullies. Here comes the opposition. And when I read about uh, Sanballat and Tobiah, I can't help but think about those two guys from a Christmas story. I think, yeah, 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 these guys from a Christmas story. So you've got Sanballat here, and he's over here, and he's talking smack, and then you've got his little buddy over here that's like, yeah, they're not going to be able to get anything done. This is who I picture. Now, a quick side note that has nothing to do with the sermon for today. Uh, Christmas decorations are already going up. Have you all seen that? 
It is November 12th, and Christmas decorations are already going up. I saw them on the drive in today. Is there anyone in this room who would be brave enough to admit that you already have your Christmas decorations up in your house? Oh, I see hands going up. We're going to pray for you guys. All the rest of us who are saying we're going to pray for you guys. But no, but this is kind of what I imagine. I see these two bullies. You know the other thing that comes to my mind? Y'all remember that big dog? Yeah, yeah, these guys. The big dog and the little yappy dog? This is Sanballat and Tobiah. They're here, and they are talking trash to the Israelites, and they are threatening them. Now, I'm making light of this. I'm making light of it, but the truth is that this was a very big deal. These guys were a huge threat to Nehemiah. They had armies with them, and they were coming in, and they were a threat. Israel is a nation in shambles. Remember, the walls are down. The whole point of Nehemiah and the Israelites going back is to rebuild these walls. And these other guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, had warriors and fighting men backing them up, threatening them. Nehemiah and the others, however, they knew this going in, that they would face this opposition was not a surprise to them. So if you have your notes today, go ahead and pull out that note page, because I've got five practical tips for us when we are facing opposition in our lives that can help us know how to emerge victorious on the other side. So Sanballat and Tobiah, they're talking smack. Nehemiah and the Israelites, they expected it. So the first thing when we are facing opposition in our lives is expect the opposition to arrive. Expect the opposition to arrive. Brett talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. But Nehemiah and the Israelites, as they moved into this area to begin this work, they knew that there would be people there who would want to oppose them. These folks in the area did not want to see Israel succeed. They did not want to see a reemergent kingdom of Israel. Now, why is that? Well, first, because a re-emergent Israel would be a powerhouse. In the old school days, I'm talking like the King David days and the King Solomon days, Israel was the leading force in the region. They were the big dogs. And these guys, Tobiah and Sanballat, had probably grown up hearing stories about the old days of the nation of Israel. The reason Israel was conquered was not because an outside force was better than them. It was because of their disobedience to the Lord. And a re-emergent Israel would threaten them economically, It would threaten them militarily, and they did not want to see that happen. The second reason that Sanballat and Tobiah don't want to see Israel coming back is because Israel, when following the Lord's will, was a place where God's justice and God's peace and God's will reigned. It was a place of goodness, as close as we have to a place of goodness here on this earth. And these are wicked men. They do not want to see this nation make a reemergence because they don't want what they are doing, their, the ways they made money and the way they live their lives. They do not want to see that threatened. And from a broader perspective, God's people here on this earth are always going to face opposition because we are living in enemy territory. Scripture makes it clear, although Jesus is ultimately victorious, for those of us who are God's people who would call ourselves Christians, we are living in enemy territory. And I'm not calling the people of this world our enemy, but I am saying that this earth we occupy is currently under the domain and the reign of the enemy. However, it will not always be that so. In Ephesians 6.12, Paul's reminding us of where we are. He says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, so not against people, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so, of course, if we are living in enemy territory, we should expect opposition to come our way. Jesus even told us to expect it in John 16, verse 33. He says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So the first step before we even encounter the opposition is expect it to arrive. Know that it is going to show up. Do not be surprised by it. Jesus told us it is on its way. But we can take heart because ultimately Jesus is going to be and Jesus is victorious. So let's see what Nehemiah does when the opposition shows up. In verse 4, he begins to pray. He says, Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. That's the Israelites. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all of their heart. So the opposition shows up, which Nehemiah expected, and what does he do? The same thing he did when beginning the task, he prays. He prays and he asks the Lord to bless what they are doing to protect them. They pray and they get back to work. They do not stop other than to ask the Lord to move on their behalf, other than to ask the Lord's blessing for what they are doing. They get right back to it. They have all these people around them. They're surrounding them. They're mocking them. And what do they do? They do not stop. They do not come off the wall. They keep continuing to do the work that they have been called to do. And the second thing to remember is when you face opposition, refuse to be distracted or stopped. When you face opposition, Refuse to be distracted or stopped. When you face those things tempting to pull you away from the will of God, refuse to be distracted or stopped. Nehemiah and the Israelites refused to let this get to them. They refused to let the mocking and the enemy and the opposition get to them. How? When all of this is going around them, when they're being surrounded, well, the first thing, I go back to point number one, they expected it. They knew the situation going in. They knew that they were in enemy territory. And for those of us who I, that call ourselves followers of Jesus, I think one of the reasons that we do get distracted, that we do get stopped, is because we're not expecting that opposition to show up in our lives. And so what happens? We are doing what we feel like we're called to do. We're living our lives as we feel Jesus would have us. Of course, we all mess up, but we're doing the best that we can. And then all of a sudden, here comes this giant calling. Here comes this fight that shows up at our door. And even though we feel like we're doing what we're supposed to, we face that opposition. And because we don't expect it, what ends up happening is our world falls apart. And we begin to doubt. Is God good? Is God faithful? Is Jesus victorious? Is he going to show up in my life? And we respond not with prayer, but with fear and anxiety, and despair, and hopelessness, and rage. And then eventually that leads to us doubting God. And as a Christian who is trying to live faithfully in this world, that can be so devastating. 
when we get to the place where we allow that opposition to make us actually doubt God's goodness, that is devastating. So as we need to expect that opposition to come, and when it comes, we refuse to let it distract us. We refuse to let it stop us. So Nehemiah, this is what they do. This is the example that is set. They pray, they get back to work, they don't get distracted or stopped, so everything automatically gets better, right? No. As a matter of fact, it's about to get much worse. Picking up in verse 7. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, the Ammonites, and all the people of Ashot, so they've got like way more folks here now, heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So the opposition has moved beyond just a couple of guys threatening them. There are nations that are coming around them, threatening to kill them. And this is a scary situation. The enemy is close. The laborers are starting to tire and they are starting to give up. And even their friends in the area, these remnant of Jews that lived around them, are coming to them and going, y'all need to stop and you need to run or else you are going to die. And this is the part of the story where if it was a movie, it would seem like things are never going to be able to get better. This is the end of Empire Strikes Back, right? This is the part of Lord of the Rings where they are surrounded And it looks like the the enemy is going to break through and is going to kill everyone. It just seems like it's too much defeat. It's too insurmountable. Here they come, and what are we going to do? And maybe for you today, here in this room, watching online, you would say that you feel like you're in that kind of a situation in your life. Maybe you know someone who's in that kind of a situation in their life, where it just seems like you were down in that pit and that it's just too much to climb out of, that the hill is too steep, and you have been beat down, and the opposition has come against you again and again and again, and it just seems like it is impossible, and that there is no way out. And if that is you today, if you feel like you are in an impossible situation that is too deep, and the opposition has come too much against you, then I have great news for you, and it is this, that our God is the God of the impossible. Our God is the God of the impossible. And when it seems like there is no way, our God will make a way. And so no matter if you are still on the wall at work, whether you have been pulled off of that wall, if you feel like you are tired and abandoned and there is no way out, I would remind you of this. Point number three, simply this. Remember that you are not alone. When you feel like you are in a situation by yourself, impossible, the opposition raining down on you, remember that you are not alone. There is a God who loves you, 
who is near to you and wants what's best for you, and he has not left you in your despair. He has not left you in that situation. And when we face opposition, it's so easy to believe the lie that we are facing that opposition alone. Again, whether it's a fight that's come calling out of nowhere all of a sudden, or whether it is a season of opposition in your life, there is, it's so tempting to think that we have been left by ourselves and we hit that breaking point where it just seems like too much, but God will never leave us. You are not alone. Look at some of God's promises to us in Deuteronomy 31. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of the opposition. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. In Philippians, it says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In Isaiah, we're reminded of this. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. When we face opposition because of what Jesus has done for us through his death and his resurrection, we know that we will be victorious. We can stand strong because it is the Lord who fights for us. We are not alone when the fight calls, when the giant comes knocking. Remember that, that you are not alone. You are never alone if you are in Christ Jesus. Remember these Lord's promises. Remember the Lord's promises to us. So knowing that the Lord is near, that can give us courage, right? Oftentimes when we are facing that fight, knowing the Lord is near, just simply knowing that fact, that can provide courage for us in the middle of the storm. It's true for Nehemiah, and it is true for us today. So let's see what happens. Picking it up in verse 13. This is Nehemiah talking. He says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, now this is Nehemiah's brave heart moment. This is awesome. He says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. The enemy is closing in. The opposition has shown up. And even though the situation seems bleak, Nehemiah knows that he is not alone and he stands up. There is no retreat in him. He gives them this charge and he has prayed and he has prepared. And now with the Lord near to him in that moment, he knows that it is time for action. It is time to act. And he has confidence because of his prayer prayer and his preparation and because of the Lord's promises he knows. And so point number four, when you face opposition, just like Nehemiah, take action when needed. Take action when needed. Yes, the Lord fights for us, but there are times in our lives where the Lord calls us to take action. And Nehemiah, he isn't just going to stand around and wait. He's going to see the need and he's going to respond to it. Now, what does he do? Well, first, he definitely takes a practical step. He stations the men with swords and guards where they need to. But the second thing he does, and this is so important, is he reminds the people of God's faithfulness. 
He reminds the Israelites that God is faithful and that they are not alone. He refuses to let them lose heart and he points them to the Lord. And there's so many of us that we face all of this opposition in our lives. And no matter what that is, I would encourage you today, always look to the Lord. And sometimes it can be tough for us to know when we need to take action and what kind of action we need to take. Well, I would encourage you, respond in a way that points others to Jesus. Maybe you take action for yourself. Maybe you're taking action on the behalf of others. And this is how we are to live. And in the book of Micah, we see a clear example. When we are taking action, this is what the Lord says. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So if you're wondering, how do I take action? What do I need to do? What do, I need to do? Act justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with the Lord. That is how we know how to take action. You never know who is watching you, who you are influencing you, who you are pointing, pointing towards Jesus. So when the fight arrives, you act that way and you take action. So what's the result for Nehemiah? The last verse of our scripture for today, Nehemiah 4.15, says, When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And I love how the story ends here. Again, if this was a movie, this is when the hero comes in and saves the day. And who is the hero? It is God. God who has not abandoned them, who has not left them, who has been there for them this entire time. And Israel, uh, Nehemiah has done such a good job leading the Israelites in this effort. They've done everything that they're supposed to do. They have prayed, they've worked hard, they've prepared, they've trusted in the Lord. But ultimately what this scripture does is it gives us a great reminder that at the end of the day, ultimately the battle belongs to the Lord. And our last step when we face opposition is simply this, trust that the Lord will complete his work. When you face opposition of any kind, trust that the Lord will complete his work. Trust in the Lord's promises. And I hope that this is encouraging to you today, that the Lord is constantly working out his plan. The Lord has a purpose for your life. Every single one of us. And just like in our example from the scripture today, there is no opposition that can thwart God's ultimate plan. Jesus has already won the victory, and there is nothing in this world that can change that. And when the opposition comes, we trust in that fact. And I know in the middle of the battle, in the middle of the fight that's come calling, that it can be hard to remember that the Lord is good, but we see example after example after example. We hear time and time again, and we see over and over again in Scripture, that the Lord is faithful, and he will complete his work. I think 1 John 4.4 sums it up really well. It says, You, dear children, are from God, and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And what a great reminder for us today. What a promise that is so full of hope. The band's going to come out and lead us in a time of response. And my challenge to you today would be, in the season of opposition that you may be in, maybe you're not, maybe you know someone who's in, but in the season of opposition that you're either currently in or 
may face them one day, what is your response to the Lord? What is it that God is calling you to do? Maybe this morning it is simply to renew your trust in the Lord. Maybe you've been facing battle after battle after battle and you've begun to lose hope. And you just need to renew your trust that the Lord is good and he is faithful and he will see you through to the other side. Maybe this morning you need to commit the battle to him. Maybe you've been fighting a war for a long season, opposition that's continually been in your life and maybe today you need to commit that battle to the Lord for the first time. Maybe in the middle of the storm that you are in, your response today is simply to come during this time of response and worship. Worship God because he is worthy and because he is always faithful. Maybe there's an action that the Lord's calling you to today to act on your behalf or maybe on the behalf of someone else. Maybe you need to commit to that during this time of worship. Maybe you just need to ask someone for help. Maybe you have been dealing with these problems and you don't know where to turn. If that's you today, then what I would encourage you on that connection card in the prayer request line, write us a note. Your pastors would love to follow up with you this week on that. Your church is here to help you. One of the ways that, we, that God sees us through the storms is through his people. And so if that's you today, I would encourage you to do that. Write that note on that connection card, drop it off from one of the metal bins as you exit today. But whatever your response is this morning, my prayer is that you would have the courage and the boldness to take that step. Let's pray. So Father, we do love you. And God, we do thank you that even in the middle of the storm, you are good. God, you are faithful. God, even when we are faithless, God, you are always faithful. And so Father, I just pray that now as we respond and worship, Lord, God, that you would move on our hearts. God, I know that there are people in this room who are hurting. There are people online watching today who are hurting, Father, who have been in a season of opposition, and they're just tired, and they're worn out. God, I pray that you would refresh them today. God, I pray you would encourage them. And God, I pray that no matter the opposition we face, God, that we will remember the truth that you have won the victory, and you are faithful. And it is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We invite you to stand as we respond and worship together.